Thank you for listening, downloading, sharing, subscribing, commenting, donating, and praying for us. And for going to BrotherLance.com to get the free PDF of this teaching. Spiritually speaking, we can call our cities of refuge New Jerusalem and Zion. Yet in the most literal sense, we find it in Jesus Christ. All right, And so we are now becoming a part of him, part of the body of Christ. We're fleeing to Jesus. We're fleeing from Babylon, right? And we're fleeing to Jesus. And what does that mean when we're fleeing, you know, that we have to leave behind? Just like we had in the Old Testament where you had to leave everything and run for your life. Right? Well, you do that now. So when you're fleeing Babylon, you're not trying to take your junk with you. Right? It's like I, I joke around that people get stuck in customs. You know, when you go to a new country, you have to go through customs. Can, and they can tell you what you can bring in, what you can't bring in. Even in America, if you go from, like, Florida to California, they want to know if you have fruit. You know, and certain kind of things. Because you're not allowed to bring in certain fruits. You know, and so even in America, we do this within our own country. And so it's the same thing happening in the body of Christ. We are leaving Babylon, but we're going to New Jerusalem, the Zion, to be in Jesus, to be a part of the body. Right. And so we don't get to sit there and see what we can bring with us. Right. And so we have to just leave it all behind, run for our lives and run to Jesus. Okay. And so we have to be on guard with ourselves as we flee from Babylon, fleeing to Jesus, that we don't turn around and gaze outward out the gate of New Jerusalem, of Zion, of the heart of God, of the body of Christ, and think that somehow there's something better out there for us when it is not better. We are safer and more secure here in Jesus, and we can have confidence that not in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ, that he's going to come and save us. He's going to redeem us. He's already put down the down payment. He, we've been given the earnest in the Holy Spirit, right? And that day of, of uh, claiming what is his is coming upon the earth quickly, right? So we're fleeing. We're not just fleeing from Babylon. We're fleeing to God, to Jesus, to Zion, to New Jerusalem. We're fleeing towards a goal. I hope this has encouraged you. We need to flee to the city of refuge, which is Jesus. If we do this, we leave this uh, Babylon, right? And we leave everything behind. We take nothing with us. We're running for our lives with every exhorted effort. And whoever we have to leave behind, whatever we have to leave behind, we do it. Because no one here saves any of our souls, right? Salvation is only found in one name, that's in Jesus Christ, right? And so without Jesus, you have no hope of salvation. So run to him and he will redeem you. Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yahweh lift up his counts upon you and give you shalom. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, we praise you. We thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for loving us, blessing us, protecting us, for getting through life, uh, for making a path and a way and giving us your Holy Spirit to guide us, Father. Send us your Holy Spirit now in a mighty way to guide us to your truth, uh, to glorify your name, help us to apply it to hearts and minds, bless everyone in our group and those who aren't able to make it, continue to be with them. And we praise you, we thank you, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 All right, so... Escape from Babylon, the series, part 18. 
Jesus, the city of refuge. It says, as we continue to cover the fleeing of Babylon, as well as covering different spiritual examples of this in the scriptures, we will continue on with a different type of city, the city of refuge, the safe haven of those who sought mercy for their actions. We will show that Jesus is truly our city of refuge, and we will end this study with declaring the urgency to flee to Jesus. So, Matthew 11, 28-30, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I put that verse out there just so we can kind of get an understanding of the character of Jesus a little bit and understand where we're fleeing to and who we're fleeing to. And that like, you know, we're not fleeing from a problem to another problem. We're fleeing to a solution, you know, a loving, caring, gentle solution. And so, as we go through here, I'm going to read this um, uh, verse out of Joshua, and we're going to talk about the city of refuge. So, fleeing to the city of refuge, Joshua 21 through 6. Yahweh spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Assign the cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you by Moses, that the man who slays or kills any person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there. For they they shall be to you for a refuge from the avenger of blood. He shall flee to one of those cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate in the city and declare his case in the ears of the elders of that city. They shall take him into the city with them and give him place that he may live among them. If the avenger of blood pursues him... Then they shall not deliver up the manslayer into his hands because he struck his neighbor unintentionally and didn't hit and didn't hate him before. He shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment, until the death of the high priest that shall be in those days. Then the manslayer shall return and come to his own city and to his own house to the city he fled from. So let me explain. So here's the th- here's the explanation. I had four pages of Bible study on this. City of Refuge, and I just decided not to add it because it was a lot and it was interesting, but it's not the whole point. But here's the deal. So if you were out saying cutting down a tree and the axe slips from your hand and goes hurtling towards your mate or friend and it kills him, hits him in the head, right? The avenger of blood in, in the culture back then that basically the blood had to be avenged to be cleansed out of the lamb. So if you murdered someone, the murderer had to be murdered. Or kill, you know, and if you rape or kill or anything like that, you had to, the the person had to die. Their blood had to cease to exist and it would purify the land. So uh, the avenger of blood. So if you're a family member and you found out that, you know, your brother just got killed by some guy who threw an axe at his head, it was your responsibility to go and avenge that blood. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? And so what would happen is, is if it was a complete accident and you didn't mean to do it, you could run to a city of refuge and there were six of them and uh, three on one side of the Jordan, three on the other side of the Jordan. And you had to run to the gate and talk to the elders. And if the elders could believe your case at the gate, then he they would let you into the city. And then your case would be heard before the people and then uh, decided if you're guilty or not. And so if the avenger of blood was running, running after you once he got to that city they couldn't do anything to you because now you're protected one because the high priest lives two because the elders are taking you in and three because the people there understand what the city's for so they would have to walk away and so and then if you were found that it was unintentional you did not mean to do this uh activity and you were sorry then you had to stay within the city You could not leave the city. If you ever left the city for any reason, the Avenger of Blood could kill you. And 
And so it was on you to abide by the rules, stay in the city. Now, what's the um, the implication here? They had to leave everything. They had to leave their families, their belongings, everything they own to go to the city. They couldn't go home and go, I need to grab a coat and my wife and my kid. No, you just had to run for your life. Like you turn around, someone just died. You're running. I mean, you're running with all you got because you know that right now, legally speaking, that their relatives could come kill you. If you look in the in some of the examples I found in the Bible where the whole family would go after somebody, mm. like everybody, like, okay, they get all 13 of us and we're all going to go running and we're going to go find this person and we're going to kill them. Mm. Right. And so you have to run to the city of refuge in the Old Testament and not get caught off guard, not leave, not play fast and loose. And then when the... Um, High priest died or passed away, then you could leave and go back to about your business. And while you're in the city, the people in the city would help take care of you. You'd have a job and stuff, right? And so how does that apply to us? Okay, so let's read. It says, as we flee Babylon, we are fleeing from our sin and the city of rebellion, but also fleeing to another city, a city of our refuge and salvation, right? And so let's get a better understanding of this. And so what we need to understand as we go through here, first, we're going to look at the, uh, our version of the city of refuge that we have nowadays. Okay. So we have two like literal examples, but we also have a spiritual example. So we're going to get into that in a minute. So now we're fleeing from Babylon and we're fleeing to Zion. Okay. Hebrews 12, 22 through 26. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the immutable multitude of angels, and to the festival gathering and the assembly of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than that of Abel. See that you don't refuse him who speaks. For if they didn't escape when they refused him who warned on earth, how much more will we not escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven? Whose voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will uh, shake not only earth, but also the heavens. So at the top there it says, The city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, right? This is our city of refuge. So let's look at the top of page 2, New Jerusalem, Revelation 3.12. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will go out from there no more. I will write on him. Uh, the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God in my new name. Right. And so Revelation 3, uh, 3, 12. And so here we have Zion. We have uh, uh, New Jerusalem. Right. So spiritually speaking, we can call our cities of refuge, New Jerusalem and Zion. Yet in the most literal sense, we find it in Jesus Christ. Right, And so we are now becoming a part of him, part of the body of Christ. We're fleeing to Jesus. We're fleeing from Babylon, right? And we're fleeing to Jesus. And what does that mean when we're fleeing, you know, that we have to leave behind? Just like we had in the Old Testament where you had to leave everything and run for your life, right? Well, you do that now. So when you're fleeing Babylon, you're not trying to take your junk with you. You're right. It's like I, I joke around that people get stuck in customs. You know, when you go to a new country, you have to go through customs can, and they can tell you what you can bring in, what you can't bring in. Even in America, if you go from like Florida to California, they want to know if you have fruit, you know, and certain kind of things because you're not allowed to bring in certain fruits, you know. And so even in America, we do this within our own country. And so it's the same thing happening in the body of Christ. We are leaving Babylon but we're going to New Jerusalem, the Zion, in, to be in Jesus, to be a part of the body, right? And so we don't get to sit there and see what we can bring with us, right? 
And so we have to just leave it all behind, run for our lives, and run to Jesus. Okay, so how does the city of refuge relate to our sin? It says, we are born into sin through the flesh. It is of no doing of our own. We didn't ask for it, but we inherited it from Adam, much like the one escaping to the city of refuge. Because remember, in the city of refuge, it was for those who accidentally or got caught up in something they did not mean to do. Right. And so we are born into sinful flesh. Right. It was not I didn't make that choice. I didn't go up to God and go, I want to be born into sinful flesh. Right. And so we have inherited this. So let's look. Romans seven fourteen. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am fleshly sold under sin. Okay. Psalms 51, 5. This is the New English translation. It says, look, I was guilty of sin from birth. A sinner the moment my mother conceived me. So the Young's literal translation of the Hebrew, Psalms uh, of Psalms 55, 51.5 says, Lo, in an iniquity I have brought, been brought forth, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So what does he say in there? That Listen, this is a condition that we, like we didn't have to be born, and then we get the condition. It's the flesh that is sinful. Now you have initial sin in your life. I'm not saying that you're already born sinning, but you have born, been born sinful because it's in your flesh. Right. And so this Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Right. Because of the sin inherited in it. So let's look at Romans 8, 3, 4. It says for God achieved what the law could not do because it was weakened through the flesh by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and concerning sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirement of the law may be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Right there. Uh, and so what do we have here? We have a situation where we didn't ask to be sinful, right? We didn't be asked to be born into the skin of flesh, right? And, and God knows it. So my brother one time, who's not a believer, says, why, why did what Adam do? Why did what Adam do have to, why does it have to affect me? I wasn't there when Adam sinned. I was like, that is a very good point, right? But you weren't there when Jesus died on the cross either. Okay, and so all we have to do is choose between first Adam or second Adam, right? Because God knows our condition. He knows that we're just, you know, but dust, you know, it's vapor that like this life is is not easy. It's hard, you know, and to to basically spiritually rebel against your flesh and to follow his way. It takes a mighty act of God to do it for you in the power of the Holy Spirit because we're incapable on our own. And God knows that God knows that we couldn't save ourselves. So he sent his son. Right. So God understands our condition. Right. He's not trying to beat us up because of what we've inherited. Right. But look at what we have here on our Bible study. It says when we become of age and understanding of our sinfulness, we're responsible for it. So Hebrews 10, 26 through 27. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fierceness of fire, which will devour the adversaries. So what happens is you flee to the city of refuge and then you get rebellious and you try to leave the city. You try to, well, I don't have to be here. I don't have to do it your way. And we're not talking about oopsies and, you know, iniquity and that kind of stuff. We're talking about rebellious sin. Like I have turned my back against this decree of God. I am not doing it your way right and so what would happen in the city of refuge in the city of refuge you're toast as soon as you walked out that gate the uh, the avenger of blood can come kill you mm-hmm. right and that day is coming for the world the avenger of blood right the blood still cries out to god right the blood of jesus christ covers the sins of those who believe in jesus not the world right 
So there is tons of blood crying out. There's tons of sin being built up. The Bible talks about a cup of wrath being filled up, right? And so we have to be on guard with ourselves as we flee from Babylon, flee into Jesus, that we don't turn around and gaze outward out the gate of New Jerusalem, of Zion, of the heart of God, of the body of Christ, and think that somehow there's something better out there for us when it is not better. We are safer and more secure here in Jesus, and we can have confidence that not in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ, that he's going to come and save us. He's going to redeem us. He's already put down the down payment. He, we've been given the earnest and the Holy Spirit, right? And that day of, of uh, claiming what is his is coming upon the earth quickly, right? So I put so much like the city of refuge, those who murdered with an intent and premeditation no longer can benefit from the city of refuge. Those who continue on in their sin after hearing the word of God no longer have any hope for salvation in their rebellion. We're not talking about oopsies and mess ups and please forgive me. He's just and faithful to forgive us our sins if we do that. We're talking about rebellion here against God. Those who goes, I know it's your will to keep the commandments and no, I'm not doing it. Those type of people. They cannot be received into the kingdom of God or the new Jerusalem. So first John one, seven through 10. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, right? And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. And if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us, our, us the sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we say that we haven't sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not un, in us, right? So these are, this is written to Christians. Christians can sin. We all can sin. But he is faithful and just. That's why we have grace and mercy. Grace and mercy are for those who are humble and contrite in spirit and will submit to God. And they need help to keep moving down the road. It is not for the rebellious who say, God, no, I'm not doing it your way. I'm going to go do what I want. I want what I want, and I want it now, and I don't care what you think. Well, you're in trouble if you feel that way. All right. So Jesus, our true city of refuge. Hebrews, top of page 3. Hebrews 6, 17 through 20. It says, in this way, God determined to show more bluntly to the heirs of promise the immutable of it, immutability of his counsel and interposed with an oath that by two immutable things in which is impossible for God to lie, we may have a strong encouragement who have fled for refuge to take hold of the hope set before us, right? So we're fleeing, we're fleeing for refuge, the city of refuge. This hope we have as an anchor of soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and entering into that which is within the veil, who as a forerunner Jesus entered for us, having become a high priest forever at the order of Melchizedek, right? So we're fleeing, we're not just fleeing from Babylon, we're fleeing to God, to Jesus, to Zion, to New Jerusalem. We're fleeing towards a goal. Right? He's not just like come out come out of Babylon and wander in the wilderness. No, we have a destination, we have a finish line set before us. So Philippians three, eight through eleven says, Yes, most certainly, and I count all things to be lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things. So what could you bring into the city of refuge? Nothing. Right? You had to run with all your lives and get there as fast as possible so you didn't die. And count them nothing but refuse that I may gain Christ and be found in him, 
not having a righteousness of my own, that which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering becoming conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead, right? So we have to be found in Christ. Woe unto anyone when God comes back if they are not found in Christ. That's right. You are going to the barbecue. You're kindling, right? You're going to go to hell. It's going to be hot, and you're going to fry. We don't want that. We want people to be set free. We want people to be made vessels of glory for God and Jesus, for people to receive the promise, okay? So Romans 8.1, it says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk according to the flesh, sinful flesh, but according to the spirit. All right. It says, therefore, flee from the city of your sin and rebellion against God that you have inherited as a birth grant, the spiritual city of Babylon, and flee to the city of refuge found in Jesus Christ. Leave all you have behind and receive salvation. Don't delay. Do it today. Do it now. Right. Um, I chose in these verses to uh, put them in order. I had a whole bunch and I kept thinking, what's the next one? Next, what's the next one? Next, what's the next one? And so this is kind of like a map to help encourage us to have the urgency to do what is pleasing to Christ and pleasing to God, right? So secure your salvation with easy believism, darkening the minds of those who hear the gospel, gospel, disarming the people from any urgency to focus on their walk with God. We must use the Bible to clear things up and pinpoint the seriousness and perilous condition we find ourselves in. Run with all your might to the throne of grace and refuse to depart from the presence of God, right? So number one up here, value your precious calling. John 6, 44, no one can come to me, that's Jesus, unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up in the last days, right? And so you cannot come to Jesus unless you are called. So how precious is your calling? If Jesus is calling you, if God is calling you, if you're being wooed and, and, and you know, courted by the Holy Spirit, to come to God, how important is that to respond, right? Because that's not something that everybody's getting all at the same time. God, God's going, you, 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 now it's your turn, you, you, you. And people play fast and loose with God, right? So few will receive salvation. Matthew twenty-two fourteen. For many are called, but few are chosen, right? Here's the deal, man. We said, how precious is that calling? How important is it, right, that God has called you? And now that you've been called, have you been chosen? That's the thing. We have to ensure that when God calls us, he goes, yes, well done, good and faithful servant. I love you. Yeah. I want you. You love me. We have relationship, right? Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Enter in by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter in by it. How narrow is the gate, and restricted is the way that leads to life. Few are those who find it. So many called, few are chosen. You can't come to Jesus unless you're called. And those who are, who are called aren't all chosen. And, many, and very few find the way that leads to life. So what, what is the implication of this? Very few are on the path right now. And it's been through every generation, every time period, very few are on the path. 
There's people walking around the path, crisscrossing the path, jumping on and off the path, you know, being all kinds of seeds, be, you know, trying to decide if they want to be a sheep or a goat. So how perilous of a situation are we in when we have to value our calling, ensure that we're chosen, and then make sure that we stay on the path, right? All right, top of page four. Don't waver. First Kings 18.21. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you waver between the two sides or two opinions? If Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The people didn't say a word. Right? So if Yahweh is God, then you have to decide, Okay, I've been called. I'm on the, I think I'm on the path. I want to be chosen. Here's the deal. Are we serving God? You might know about how much Jesus loves you, that he sacrificed, and he wants to give you good gifts. But are you serving him? Right? We have to decide, do we choose him? Do we serve him? Right? And so we have to follow after him with all of our hearts. Next one. Choose this day who you'll serve. Joshua 24, 15. If it seems evil to you to serve Yahweh... Choose today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve Yahweh. Right? We will serve God. Right? So we have to pick. Yes, Yahweh is God. Jesus Christ, Messiah. I need him. I will serve him. How much do we owe to God and Jesus? Everything. You can't have breath without him. You're going to have hell without him. Right? You owe him everything. What is the proper response of gratitude towards a God that has given you everything and redeemed you back? It's everything. Right? Just like we're running that city of refuge, we leave it all behind. We put all of our wants, wishes, and desires, and we give them to God and Jesus and say, God, you tell me which ones are good, which ones are bad. I'll follow after the good ones and get rid of the bad ones. Give me strength, Lord, but I'm doing it your way. What, what can I do for you? Right? So, next one. Don't receive God's grace in vain. 2 Corinthians 6. Working together, we entreat you also that you do not receive the grace of God in vain. How many people are receiving the grace of God in vain? They go to church. They get all warm fuzzies. They cry about God and Jesus. They feel good. And they're like, oh, it just hits right here. You know, or they listen to songs and they get all weepy about it. What good is it if it's not changing your life? If it's not making you more like Christ, if it's not causing you to follow after him, to follow the good shepherd, to give all you have, it, it means nothing. You're receiving it in vain. It will do you no good because it requires a commitment, a wholesale commitment to please God, to do what's beautiful in his sight, to put a smile on his face, to put his desires first, right? Not to play games and see if we can straddle the fence and get a little of this and a little of that, a little bit of sin, a little bit of religion, get a little warm fuzzy on a, on a church day and the next day go out and send our brains out. You know, it's like go to church to get cleaned up, go to the world to get dirty, go to church to get cleaned up, go to the world. I mean, it's a, a, a vicious cycle. And I understand struggling with sin. I've struggled with sin. But we're talking about rebellion, people that are just not focusing, right? So today is the day of salvation, Second Corinthians 6, 2. For he says, at an acceptable time, I listen to you in the day of salvation. I help you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. <laughs> Who can hear can guarantee me they'll be alive tomorrow. Nobody. 
Nobody can guarantee that. You can't even be alive the next second. You see football players and stuff on television dropping dead. You know? They don't know. That guy didn't wake up in the morning playing soccer and thinking, hey, I'm going to go kiss my wife and kiss my kids, and I'm going to go to the soccer field and die. And it's happening all around the world. And it's like this, right? So today is the day of salvation. And why are you going to try to push the limit and see how much you can get away with and see how far you can push it? Well, maybe I can wait till tomorrow, into tomorrow. I'll get over that sin. I'll make, I'll focus on my relationship with God in the next couple of days. I got a date with my girlfriend tonight. Tomorrow I'll get it right. Right? We can't do that. Today is the day of salvation. Don't tempt Christ. First Corinthians 10, 9. Let's not test Christ as some of them tested and perished by the serpents, right? Don't test Jesus. Don't test test God. Don't test Christ, right? Don't play games with him. Don't see how much you can get away. Don't see how much you can push his grace and mercy. God does, God's not going to be mocked. You'll reap what you sow. Now, there's been times where I've sinned. And I'd be like, oh, as soon as I'm done with this, I'm asking for forgiveness. I've done that. I know what that's like. And I had to repent of being that way. Right. But that's a vicious place to be. And what kind of gratitude does that show to God? If we're using his grace and mercy to permit our sin, it's not a good place. Next one. Don't tempt God. Deuteronomy 6, 15 through 17. For Yahweh, your God among you is a jealous God, lest the anger of Yahweh, your God be kindled against you. And he destroys you from off the face of the earth. You shall not tempt Yahweh your God as you tempted in Massa. You shall diligently keep his commandments to Yahweh your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. Right? So what happens when we tempt God? Tempt Jesus. It says fire will burn against you. And you'll be destroyed off the face of the earth. That day is coming. So if a day with the Lord is a thousand years to us, we think God is slow or slack concerning his promises and we see wickedness going upon this earth. But, it, you know, two days since Jesus was on the cross to God, you know, I'm a, I'm a millennial Sabbath theory believer. I believe we've been here 6,000 years and we're heading towards the millennial Sabbath. Six days maybe of all humanity to God. God's not slow. He thinks fast. We think slow. Right? So we can't look at this stuff and think people are getting away with anything. They're not. It's all getting written down. Not, nobody got no, is getting away with anything. We look at the world and we see them prosper and sin. We think they're getting away with it. No, they're not. It's on their account. They're going to pay for it. Right? Everyone, they're not one sin is being overlooked. The only thing that erases that is the blood of Jesus. Right? And that's only accepted as Lord and Savior. Be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and obey Him. All right, this next one. Seek God while he may be found. Isaiah 55, 6-7. Seek Yahweh while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to Yahweh and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Right? So what do we have to do? Seek God while he's found. If you feel God calling on your heart right now, don't Put it off. Don't delay. If any of you all are feeling conviction for anything, and like I'm telling you, one of the best things you can do is enhance the suffering. We are so quick to try to make it all better and make our emotions go away. No, enhance the suffering. You're feeling some conviction. Don't sit there and like try to like numb it. Well, I'm going to go do this. This will make me happy. That's the Holy Spirit working on you. Like Psalmist says, it's better to go to house of mourning, right? Because in there you learn something. You can go to a house of happiness and joy and people don't learn anything. They're just happy. 
right? So if God is working on your heart and is convicting in you, you don't ignore it. Enhance it. Focus on it. Search it out. See what it is. Don't run from it. It's God's kindness to you. It's him saying, listen, you can't understand these things on your own. You need my Holy Spirit. I'm giving it to you now to help you understand. And this is why people get all irked and convicted and mad and upset about things. It's because the Holy Spirit's in there poking. And we have to decide, what do we do? Do we rebuke it? Do we ignore it? Do we move on? Do we grieve the Holy Spirit because we're stop, we stop listening? We don't want that. Second Peter 1, 10 through 11. Therefore, brothers, be more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For, the, for thus you will be richly supplied with an entrance into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So make your election sure. How do we make this election sure? Well, the next bunch of verses is going to help us to understand this, right? And so we got quite a few proofs here to help us understand. But we have to know in the, per, the first part of it is to help us understand that we have a part in it. Most people believe once saved, always saved. Well, I said a prayer and I got baptized, so I'm good. No, that's not true. Not once saved, always saved. It's not scripture. Even Paul said, even I could become a castaway. I have a whole Bible study on it. It's a lie. It's a lie of the devil. Let me give you a hint. Salvation is a relationship. That's all it is. If you have relationship in good standing with Jesus Christ and God, you're saved. You're good. Don't worry about it. But if you have no relationship with him, then you are in trouble. It's all a relationship. That's all salvation is. And how do we have relationship with God and Jesus? Do we do it on our own time, our own terms, our own ways, our own wants, our own desire? No. To have a relationship with God because he changes not and he cannot deal with us in our sin. He has to deal with us in the righteousness of Jesus because his goodness would destroy us. And so he put a barrier between us called the blood of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ, our high priest, so he can still interact with us until we are made new and this mortal puts on immortality and this imperfection puts on perfection. And then he can deal directly one-on-one -on -one with us. But until then, we have Jesus. We have the blood of Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit, right? And these are the things. So how do we have a relationship? It's through the power of Jesus Christ, his priesthood, his lordship, and the Holy Spirit. Without that, you're toast. And we've learned in other Bible studies, the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey him. Right? And that's found in Acts. And so here's the deal. We have to obey. Now, we're not talking earning salvation. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking, go, yes, Lord, I am sorry. I, I repent. I have turned from my sin. I'm going your way now. And though I may fall and stumble and drag and skip and hop and mess up all the way there, Father, I'm not giving up on this calling. I'm going to do it your way. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will help me do it. And, I, and I, like, we'll never be perfect before we get to heaven. It's not happening. But we can become more like Christ every day. We can be more like our Father. We can obey Him more, understand Him more. And I've heard it said, the closer you get to the throne, the more aware you are of your own sinfulness. And this is true. There will never not be any something in your life that doesn't need some work or need some polishing or some correction. It's a nonstop thing that will go on until you die. Right. And if you ever get to the point where you think you got it and you don't need to change anymore, you're in trouble. Pride comes before the fall. And so I don't do 99 percent of anything I used to do. But there's still things in my life I can do better. I can get better at. I can be more like Jesus. I don't sit there and tell the Holy Spirit, no, not today. I don't want to hear that from you. I, I know I, you have to embrace it. Put your arms around it. Hug it. Love it. 
Even if you feel bad about yourself, it's God's kindness to you to help you understand how to be pleasing to him. It's okay. Okay, your identity is in Christ. It's not your sin. God wants to remove that sin out of your life so you can fully embrace your identity in Christ as a new creation. Okay, so top of page five. How do we make our election sure? 1 Corinthians 9, 23 through 27. I do all things because of the gospel so that I, that I can be a participant in it. Do you not know that all the runners in a stadium compete, but only one receives the prize? So run to win. Each competitor must exercise self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run uncertainly or a box like one who is hitting on the air. Instead, I subdue my body and make it my slave so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified or a castaway or not receive salvation is what he's saying, not receive the prize. Okay. And so here's the thing. We run and I love his analogy because in everything there's rules, right? And he's like, listen, I am subduing my flesh. It is my slave. It, I make it submit to the power of God in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? And so he's saying, so now that we're doing it, I make it my slave and I make it obey the rules. I make it follow the path set before me to be like Christ, to do that which is pleasing in his sight. Next one, throw off every weight that holds your back. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we must get rid of every weight and sin that clings to so closely and run with endurance the race that is set before us. Endurance. That means don't give up. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Amen. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Right. And so. I, like, I tell you, one of the ways you study the Bible is work the way Paul writes, work the verses backwards. You want to know how to run the race with endurance? He gives you the answer. Be like Jesus. Look at the joy set before you. That's right. Right? Paul, in the power of the Holy Spirit, is a magnificent writer because he'll tell you what you need to do. He tells you how it needs to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? And he gives you the example, which is Jesus. Right? So Jesus kept his eye on the prize. Please, Abba, please, Father, do what is pleasing in his sight. Redeem back which was lost through sin and rebellion. Bring the children home. And in one great glorious day, he prayed in his prayer, I think it was John 17, that they may see the glory which I had before them, the glory I had which with you. So he understood what was to come. He wanted us to see the glory on him. Right? And so what do we do? We have to think. We're going to be with our father. We're going to see his face. We'll be able to talk to him like I'm talking to you now and put my arms around and have a conversation and kiss him and hug him and whatever else he'll allow us to do. Right. And that's that's the reward. God is the reward. It, we talked about it last week. That salvation is the the uh, the the ability to live forever with immortality, to be with the immortal one. Right. Because God is the reward. Being with Jesus is the reward. So we keep our eyes not on immortality, not on living forever. We keep our eyes on God, on Jesus. Because listen, if you don't like God and Jesus now, you ain't going to like heaven. Because you're going to get lots of it up there. You're going to be so intimate with God. And Jesus said, before they're even done praying, I will know what they're thinking and what they want and what they need. That's how close. Okay? So we have... A homecoming coming our way. This is the reward. 
Homecoming, being with God, being with Jesus. We have to keep our eyes on the prize and realize that the devil is trying to put everything in our path to get us off of that narrow path that leads to that homecoming. So if we want to make our election sure, focus on what we're going to, what the goal is. To put a smile on God's face. To make him happy with us. Mm -hmm. To make Jesus proud of us. To make Jesus want to proclaim our name in heaven. What won't do anybody who gets to heaven and Jesus goes, I'm sorry, I don't know this one. Because he said, if you deny me on earth, I will deny you before my father. That's right. But how happy is he when he gets to heaven and Jesus goes, I know Lance. Lance is my boy. Come on in. It's going to be great. Woo. Man, that's going to make me happy. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Right? And that's what we want. And so if we can't keep that in our hearts. That listen, there's a greater goal right now. There's something more than this life. That's right. And we have to always keep it in the forefront of our minds every day. Right? right. All right. Fight the good fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 14. But you, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life which you were called, and you confess the good confession inside of many witnesses. I command you before God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate testified the good confession, that you keep the commandment without spot blameless until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So take hold of eternal life. Fight the good fights. Every day we're in a battle. Every day the devil's out to get us. Every day when we wake up, the devil's not tired. The demons aren't tired. Resist him so we will flee. Here's the thing. If you make yourself an easy target, he'll hang around. You have to make yourself a hard target. That is, Because he's not God. He's not omnipresent. Right? The, the demons are not omnipresent. They have to choose where you go. And, and we see this in life because all of a sudden, and you'll probably notice this too, that in life, all of a sudden, everything will be going right. And all of a sudden, everyone around you starts having problems. And it just seems like it comes out of nowhere. And as fast as all these problems show up, it goes away. And life kind of goes back to normal. It's the devil. He's moving around with his demons and angels to see who he can tempt and test. Inflicting pain and suffering and rebellion against God. Right? But you want to be so steadfast and so so inside the, new, the city of refuge that he goes, ain't worth messing with him. It ain't, ain't going to work. Keep moving. Somebody else is out there as an easier target. Right? And how do we get to that point? It takes lifetime. It takes training. It takes effort. It takes commitment. A willing to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus. Right? And the farther you're into the into Egypt, the longer your journey out can be sometimes. So don't lose heart or faith that while you're traveling out, that it might seem like it's taking a long time. You're going to get there. You'll get to the promised land. Don't give up. Right? And don't be discouraged, right? So take hold of eternal life. All right. Pay attention lest you drift away. Hebrews 2, 1 through 3. Therefore, we ought to pay greater attention to the things we heard, lest perhaps we drift away. Don't forget the things you're being taught today. Don't forget the things you hear in church. Don't forget the things you read and are being taught to you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? says, don't forget these things, pay greater attention to them, so it keeps you from drifting away. It's like in any marriage, you know, we and my wife have been married over two decades now. 
I tell my wife I love her a million times a day. I hug and kiss her a million times a day. Probably to the point that people that don't know us should be like, dude, what are you doing? Because it's easy to, I'm not going to hug you this time. I'm busy. I'm going to work. I'm getting off the phone. Bye. I'm, I'm in a hurry. Right? It's easy to get in the habit and you, it starts small. And you just start drifting. And you don't even realize that it's happening until you're so far away that you look back and you're like, how do we even get here? It's because it's the little things every day. Every day. I can't tell you how many times I've benefited from, like, just to kind of give you a peek in our life. I do devotions with me and my two boys in the morning. I do devotions with my, my $2 in the evening. We do family devotions in the bedroom, which is, and then I do uh, devotions with my wife, which is three devotions. And we do family worship every single day. Right. And so I calculated it up. It's almost three hours to do all these things. But here's the thing. I can't tell you how many times that saved my walk with God. Just being honest. Because you feel so broken and messed up and not right in the head and not right with God. But just being faithful and staying to the little things that that anchor you. Right? The things that you hear. Man, I'm telling you, it'll save your soul. It'll save your walk with God. Because these are the things I do and I'm not going to stop doing them no matter how bad I feel about things. And because of that. And like every night before we go to bed, I pray with my wife. There's been times where we had to stay up late because we I could not pray with her because I was so mad and upset. And I'm like, well, we're going to have to sit here and talk until we get this figured out so we can pray and go to bed. <laughs> right. And I'm, you know, and I'm not saying my wife's a bad person. I'm just saying that, like, you know, relationships are difficult. You don't always see the eye. And, and here's the thing about marriage. There doesn't have to be a wrong person and a right person. You can be looking at the same situation from two different angles and the, nobody's wrong. It's just you're coming at it from a different thing, you know. And so it it's those things that we do every day that we should not give up and that we hold on to. So we do not drift away from God slowly and we keep invested in those things and we keep them forefront in our minds. Okay. Now, just so you know, part of that three hours is laying with my kids too. So, you know, I don't want to give it a false impression, but it takes a long time. And then on Sabbath, we do double worship. So <laughs> on Friday night, Saturday night, you know, so even more. So either way. Don't let your heart condemn you. First John 3, 18 through 22. My little children, let not, let's not love in word only or with tongue only, but in deed, action, and truth. By this we know that we are of the truth and persuade our hearts before him. Because if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and, know, and knows all things. Beloved, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have boldness towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. Don't let your heart condemn you. I struggle with lust. I've talked about it many times with you guys. You want? I'll tell you how I got over it. Okay? This is how I got over lust. I stopped thinking about me. It's easy when, like, when you're struggling with lust and you feel bad. Oh, I did it again, Lord. I'm so sorry. Well, it was me. I whip myself, crawl, roll around on the floor. It didn't mean no good. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. And so what did I have to do? God taught me. It's like, well, you're thinking about yourself a lot. <laughs> you're out remorse. I was thinking, well, God, what did that do to you? 
How does that upset you? What is, okay. And I was thinking, okay, this isn't about me. It's about God. And I started focusing on God because the devil knows you can't focus on two things at once. You can't feel all guilty and, and word shamed and brow beaten and think about how to please God. It's impossible. Right. And so God was like, no, you need to stop doing that and start focusing on me. Right. Because even when I was thinking, don't lust, I was thinking about lust. Mm-hmm. Right. So what you what you, you you view and you consume is what you become. So even in my attempts to stop doing what I didn't want to do, I was still focusing on it instead of God. So I had to retrain my mind in the power of the Holy Spirit is to stop thinking about it altogether. Focus on Christ. Focus on God. Put him first. And that's what did it. I'm telling you right now, man, that's worth a million bucks right there. If you're struggling with anything, stop making it about you. Stop with the needless like guilt shaming that you do to yourself. Right. And just give it to God and go, God, I'm focused on you. I love you. I want to be happy with you. You know, and like uh, if you want to do well in work, don't go into work and don't be thinking, I'm not going to mess up today. I'm not going to mess up today. I'm not going to mess up today. You're going to mess up because you're thinking, I'm not going to mess up today. You go into work and go, I'm going to do a great job today. I'm going to have a great day. Well, guess what? Where's your focus? Doing a great job, having a great day. Okay. Same thing with God. All right. So don't let your heart condemn you. Don't let it browbeat you and tear you up. Focus on God. Focus on Christ. Focus on their goodness. Focus on their forgiveness. Focus on their mercy. Focus on their grace. Focus on those things that they want you to get better. They don't want to keep you down. They're not trying to punish you. That's why God sent Jesus, so he doesn't have to punish you. Right? So, fear and trembling. Philippians 2.12. So then, my beloved... Even as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. All right? How we do that? We're going to learn that on the top of page six. But we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. This is not easy believism. This is not once saved, always saved. This is not, don't worry about it, man. No, he's been, we're being told here, fear and trembling. In other words, you need to get honest with God. Top of page six. How do we do that? Judge yourself so you will not be judged. 1 Corinthians 11, 31 through 32. For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Right? So judge yourself. Be honest about it. Sit down and critique. Where am I at with my walk with God? What things need to be short of? What things need to be improved? What do I need to lay down on the altar? What things am I struggling with? Right? Take stock. Right. If you ever want to like get into like Fortune 500 companies and people who uh, become millionaires, billionaires and, and run these things, they do this. Right. They don't know that the Bible says to do this, but they do this and they can treat themselves. They set goals from themselves. They focus their intentions on their energies, not on what they don't want to be, but what they want to be. Right. And so we we can learn from this. Paul says, focus on these things. Judge yourself. See what parts need to be given unto God so you don't have to be judged and chastened, right? So I always pray, God, like, man, don't break my legs, Lord. I want your goodness to lead me to repentance like the Bible says, right? And that's what we want to do. We want to just say, okay, I'm not going to pretend I'm great because, listen, Lance isn't great. I don't want to think I got it all together. Lance, I got it all together. This is ridiculous. No human being does because to say that any one of us has it all together is a giant lie. Because none of us are perfect, and we all need Jesus, we all need the Holy Spirit, and we all can improve. There's only one that got it together, and even he wouldn't call himself perfect. He says, there's none perfect but the Father. Why are you calling me perfect? 
right? So let's not try to act, you know, like they do at church when people go to church and everybody's like, oh, I'm doing great. <laughs> Cheated on my wife last night. Blessed, you know, bless you today. <laughs> you know, they do at church and everybody goes and lies to each other about how awesome they're feeling. I'm trying to put on a brave face, even though the Bible says confess your faults and sins to one another, bear one another's burden. How can you can how can you bear a person's burden if they're unwilling to share it? Because they're too worried they're going to be judged by you, and you're going to think less of them as a Christian. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's not what God intended. Church is a hospital. It's not an award show. Okay? Where we go and act like everything's great. If you're not getting help from your brothers and sisters in Christ and having people pray with you and encourage you, and I'm not saying just tell your junk to everyone, but you should have people in your life that you can talk with, mm -hmm. that you can confess and have them pray with you and stand with you. Because a three-string cord is easily broken, right? And so we don't, you know, one puts a thousand flight, two puts ten thousand flight, so on and so forth. But either way, you're not meant to do it on your on your own. Okay, humble yourself, James four seven through ten. Therefore, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded ones. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to heaven is be humble before God, and he will lift you up. What did I say earlier? If God is convicting you of your sin, magnify it. Yeah. Humble yourself, mourn, and grieve with him. Right? And here's the thing, when this process is over, don't stay in it. The devil wants to keep you there. Right? Understand. Boom. Mm, I feel it, Lord. Yes, this is wrong. Right. This is wrong. I'm done. Okay, we're moving on. And then you could start marching forward. And the sooner if you fall down, get back up and keep running. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry, Father. I don't do that. Like I, I suffered from a foul mouth for a long time. And, you know, and it took a long time of going, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Please forgive me, Lord. And even now, if I get super, super angry, I'm very tempted to cuss. But even that's gotten better, praise God. <laughs> and I'm just being honest, right? And so I don't want anybody walking away thinking that Lance is Superman, perfect Christian, super Christian. You guys know my rant. I hate that. There's no such thing as a super Christian. We all need help. We all need each other. We all need the power of the Holy Spirit. None of us is great, period, okay? All right, so act boldly and run to the throne of grace. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. For we don't have a high priest incapable of sympathizing with our weaknesses. Amen to that. But one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace whenever we need help. Right? So where do you put, are you, when you sin and you mess up, where are you supposed to turn to? The kitchen floor, bathroom floor, your bed? And crawl up in the ball and cry. No, you're supposed to run to God. Imagine if you're a kid and you get a boo-boo on your knee. Well, what do you want? You want mommy and daddy to come help you. That's right. Kiss it. Give me a cookie. Put a band-aid on it. God is no different. If we think that God is there to hammer us, every time we sin, we won't go to him. But if we understand that he is there full of mercy and grace to forgive and to encourage and to empower us, then we will go to him. God understands your condition, right? And so we have a high priest who understands our suffering and what it's like to be us and how hard it is, right? So we, as if you sin, run to God with all your might. The devil wants you to run from God in shame like Adam and Eve and come up with your own devices to cover up your nakedness. But no, we run to the, the throne, 
And, I, you know, when I was having problems with us, and I'd be like, God, please forgive me. And one time I was like, God, I did it again. Please forgive me. And and I felt in my heart God going, did what again? Because he already forgot. As far as from the east is from the west, the depths of the sea, he already forgot. He's not up there trying to go, tally, 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 tally. Oh, you did again. You did. No, he's not doing that. He's not trying to beat you up. He's trying to get you where you need to go. So if we don't believe that, we're in trouble. But if we got, we believe that God is graceful and merciful to the humble and that he will lift you up, you're good, man. You're going to be so good because God is the great doctor, right? He's the one that makes it all better. You can't do it on your own anyways. So run to God if you're caught in your sin. Don't run from him. He already knows you did it. Where are you going to hide? Right? You're not, I mean, like, now you're just running away with no help. And then I've been in a situation where I already started. Keep going. Premarital sex. You know, did it once. Did it yesterday. Let's do it again. Right? Why not? Right? And that's the tricks of the devil. That's exactly right. I should have been like, no, run to God. Run to the throne. Okay, Hebrews 7, 22 through 25. By so much, Jesus has become the collateral of a better covenant. Many indeed have been made priests because they uh, are hindered for continuing by death. But he, because he lives forever, ha has his priesthood unchangeable. Therefore, as he is able to save to the utmost those who draw near to God through him, seeing he lives forever to make intercession for them. Right? We just talked about that. Don't run from, run to if Jesus is there to go, Lance needs help. Well, guess what you got to do? You got to run to him. You got to go, hey, I need help. Okay. I love the part forever lives. Love it. All right. Fear God. Luke 12, 5. But I will warn you when you sh uh, whom you should fear. Fear him who after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you to fear him. Jesus is telling you to fear God. Work out your salvation to fear and trembling. Fear God. Understand his power. Understand he's a consuming fire. Understand he can wipe you off the earth. You have to have a complete and total understanding of his awesomeness to deal rightly with him. That he's not playing games. He doesn't change. He's not going to become sinful you so you can hang out with him. No, you have to become righteous like Jesus through faith to be with him. And that's the way it works. The street only goes one way. It's you to Jesus to God. It doesn't go the other way where God is going to mess himself up and become sinful flesh so you can live forever with him. Right? And now he sends us his Holy Spirit down here on the earth. Jesus walked the earth to represent who he is and how he is. Right? But the fact is, is that we have to be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye to be like him. The Bible says only God has immortality. We must put on immortality and that way we can be with them okay ecclesiastes 12 13 through 14 this is the end of the matter all has been heard fear god and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man for god will bring every good work into judgment with every hidden thing whether it's good or whether it is evil right so fear god keep his commandments gather yourself and press on hebrews 12 12 through 17 i like this verse so let's read therefore lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. So what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Follow after peace with all men in the sanctification without to no man will see the Lord. Look, looking carefully, lest there be any man who falls short of the grace of God. Don't want to fall short. Lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you and may be defiled by it. 
lest there be any sexually immoral person or profane person like Esau who sold his birthright for one meal. For you know that even when he afterward desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no peace or place for a change of mind, though he sought it diligently with tears. Right? And so what do we have to do, right? We have to sit there, gather yourself, understand. You can't do it on your own through the power of the Holy Spirit, but all it takes is God, I need your help. Give me the Holy Spirit. Empower me to be pleasing in your sight and do that which is going to glorify your name. And I love you. And guess what? God will do it. Sometimes it's like lightning, man. I've seen there's people that like, boom, everything changes in their life. They don't go back to sin and it's just immediate. Some people, it's a journey. Whatever it is for you, don't worry about it. Just get on that journey. Keep pressing on, right? And so we have to understand as we move forward with Christ, right, that uh, we don't want to fall short of the grace of God, okay? Top of page seven, Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brothers, I don't dis, uh, don't regard myself as yet having taken hold, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, past sin, all the things done wrong, Remember, we're talking about running to the city of refuge, right? And you leave all things behind and stretching forward to the things which are before. You ever see a kid run for a gift, arm stretched out, not worried about a thing, tripping over themselves, running with all their might? That's the picture we need to have in our heart. That's what God wants. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I want you, Lord. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Amen. You're running with all your might, right? <laughs> 14, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the higher calling of God in Christ Jesus. Right? Press on. Keep running. Don't look back. Having this confidence. Oh, wait. Hold on. I think I skipped one. Press on and never look back. Luke 9, 61 to 62. Another also said, I want to follow you, Lord, but first allow me to say goodbye to those who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one. Having put his hand to the plow. And looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, don't look back. Leave everything behind. Don't see what you can bring with you. Nothing. You can't bring anything with you. Here's the, here's the one thing you can bring to heaven. Your friends and your family. That's the only thing you get to bring to heaven with you. So where should your investment be? Helping your friends and your family understand the will of God so they can go with you. Everything else on this rock is burning. Now we send treasure ahead through our works in Christ Jesus, but we're not taking it with us. It's already there, right? And so we have, we can only do two things. We take ourselves and friends and family, right? That's all that's going to make it. So leave it all behind. Say goodbye. Arrivederci. It's going away anyways, okay? Say goodbye to our past too. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, don't even worry about it. Don't even think about it. Who doesn't have a past? Mm -hmm. I mean, people are like, I'm working on my testimony. I've done enough work on my testimony. <laughs> all right. Have this confidence that you gave your all. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. For I am already being offered, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is stirred up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me only, but also to those who have loved his appearing. Right? So be confident. Paul at the end goes, listen. Yep, I killed Christians. Yep, I persecuted the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. But now, he, he said, forgetting all that has passed, I'm pressing on. Right? And now what is he doing? He's building himself up. He's like, listen, I know I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I know my conduct. Right? 
And so that's the way we need to be. We need to have confidence, right? Sin destroys confidence. I'll tell you right that because it gives place to the devil. If you want to have a strong, confident walk with God, set aside the sin. Put down those things that are in rebellion against God so you can have peace in your spirit and soul. Because I've had the devil come at me like, like that when being caught in sin. And it worked, man. It destroyed my confidence. But I also had the other side where I'm like, uh-uh, devil, you got nothing on me. I know better. I know what my walk is. That's right. Period. I know that I'm not hiding secret sin or rebellious sin. It doesn't mean I never sin or don't fail or do something bad or anything like that, but I'm quick to repent. Right? Okay. So... Remain in his protection of obeying your Lord. John 8, 31. Jesus therefore said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you remain, if you remain, if you remain, if you remain, if you remain in my word, then you are truly my disciples. So who are God's disciples? Who are Jesus' disciples? Those who remain in his word, his teachings. Okay? Right. So we have to obey if he's Lord. He's not just a savior. He's Lord. Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, okay? If you remain, so let's all strive to remain. Carry your cross, Mark 8, 34 through 37. He called the multitude to himself with his disciples and said to them, whoever wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake and the sake of the good news will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and for forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his life? The Hall is saying, if I say, hey guys, every one of you is getting a car. And in three days, the car's going to explode. Who wants that car? Nobody wants that car. Okay, you're going to inherit a world that's going to burn. No, thank you. Nobody wants the. Who wants that? Like if they're like, well, Lance, if in the next three days I have the best time of my life, okay. Well, that's dumb. <laughs> you know, that's not intelligent thinking, right? Let's read reposition our thinking here right and that's the same thing so what do we do pick up our cross follow him deny ourselves right you're not your own you've been bought with a price right seek first the kingdom of heaven all these things will be added unto you right let's say worship god in spirit and truth john 8 4 uh, uh sorry worship god in spirit and truth john 4 24 god is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth now there's a lot of churches out there that have some spirit and there's a lot of churches out there that have some truth but the happiest thing is it's a coin. It goes both sides. you got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, if you deny speaking in tongues, God's language is a foreign language. If you deny casting out demons, if you deny the healing of the sick, then you're denying half the coin. Right? But if you deny obedience, faithful obedience in response to salvation and keeping the commandments of God and keeping the Sabbath, then you're denying half the coin. It's all, it's both spirit and truth, right? And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit and to walk and obey in his truth. So, but ever be ever ready for the Lord come, uh, for the Lord comes our way. Matthew 24, 42 through 44. Watch therefore, for you do not know in what hour your Lord comes. But now this, that if the master of the house, but know this, but now if the master of the house had known in, in that well, I'm sorry. And what watch the night the thief was coming, he would have watched and would not have followed his house to be broken into or allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, also be ready for an hour that you don't know and don't expect the son of man will come. 
now I pardon for the mess up. I read the Bible in lots of different versions, and my my brain tends to memorize a certain version, and then I try to impose it on the other version. It messes me up. Sorry. <laughs> so I apologize, right? So what is this saying? Be ever ready for the Lord, and it comes our way, right? So we have to be on guard. We don't know the hour, the day or hour when he's going to come back. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't have to be come, back, come back for it to be your end because you could die. Right? You don't know what that is. So live every day like a day that you wanted to be pleasing to God that if he did come back or if he pulled your card and your time card got punched by God, that you'll be pleased in what you've done with your day and with your, your, with your life. Okay? And just focus on what is pleasing to God. All right. So why is all this is important? So top of page eight. I'm gonna add, I want you guys, this is homework, okay? I want you to do this. And it's not something you're going to do once. I want you to do it every single night, and we're going to read it right here. It says, stand, escape, and be kept. I'm going to read the verses, and I'll tell you what it is. Luke 21, 36. Therefore, be watchful at all time, praying that you may be counted worthy to escape all the things that will happen and to stand before the Son of Man. And John 17, 15, I pray not that you would take them out from the world, but that you will keep them from the evil one. Amen. You need to add this to your prayers, praying every night that you're counted worthy to escape and that you'll be able to stand before Jesus and that you'll be kept from the evil one. Right. I pray this every single night. You need to be praying it too, right? Jesus, first of all, tells you to pray it, right. right? So pray that you're counted worthy to escape, that you'll be able to stand before God and Jesus and that you'll be kept from the evil one. Jesus in John 17 prayed that for you. You should be praying it for yourself. That's right. Right? But that you would keep them from the evil one. We need to be praying that. So I put right here, be Philadelphia. Revelation 3, 7 through 12. To the angel of the assembly in Philadelphia, this is a revelation to the seven churches. This is the one that got it right. He who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens, uh, no one can shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says these things. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one can shut, that you will have a little power and kept my word and did not deny my name. Behold, I give some of the synagogue of Satan, of those who you say they are Jews and they are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. All right. We just had these prayers that we talked about. Verse 10. But you kept my command to endure. I also will keep you from the hour of testing, which is to come on the whole world to test those who dwell in the earth. How important is this, guys? If you judge yourself, you don't have to be judged. If your faith is being purified daily because you're willfully participating in the process with God and Holy Spirit and not rejecting the correction of the Lord, then the time of testing, I pray you will be able to escape. It is my desire and wish that I will suffer now so I don't have to suffer later. I'll learn to subdue the flesh now so it doesn't have to be learned to be subdued later. Don't play games with God. Be, pray that you're counted worthy to escape what is coming. And that you'll be able to stand and then you'll be freed from the evil one. Because the body of Christ will have to suffer. Because there's many people not taking their walks righteously and seriously enough that they have to go through a trial to purify their faith. Well, let it start now. If you judge yourself now, it's the easy path. 
right? It doesn't mean it's easy. It's just easier because when the time of trouble comes, you have been so righteous with God in your faithfulness and you've endured and you've not turned your back. You have sacrificed and given yourself wholly to him. You have graduated. Praise God. Right. And that's what you want to be counted worthy to escape. So let's read verse 11. I'm coming quickly. Hold firm that which you have so that no one takes your crown. He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will go out from there no more. I will write uh, on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which came down out of heaven from my God in my new name. All right? Amen. Praise God. So we want that. So pray every night to be kind of worthy to escape, to be able to stand and be kept from the evil one. Worthy to escape, able to stand and be kept from the evil one. Right? I do it every night. I encourage you to do so. Conclusions, Job 19.25. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. In the end, he will stand upon the earth. Our Redeemer lives. Build yourself up with that. Yes. yes. Praise God. Psalms 103, 1 through 5. Praise Yahweh, my soul, all that is within me. Praise his holy name. Praise Yahweh, my soul, and don't forget all his benefits. Mm -hmm. When you're at night, laying in bed, think about all the things you do. First of all, if you're not going to bed with praise on your mouth, you're, I think you're failing. You need to go to bed thanking God for what he has done. If praise and worship is not coming out of your mouth before your eyes close at night, then you're failing. I'm just going to tell you, I believe you're failing because that might be the last time you get to do it. Many people die in their sleep. So the last thing out of my mouth to God is I want to be like, thank you, God, for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for the house I have. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Praise you. Glorify you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And see if it doesn't make your sleep better. Okay. It will. Number three, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Right? So praise God. Praise him all day long. If you're down, praise him. It's Isaiah 43.1. But now Yahweh who created you, Jacob, and who formed you, Israel, says, Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. We are God's. Yes, praise God. We belong to him, right? We belong. So when the world says you don't belong here, you say, yes, I do not. I totally agree. I belong to God. I'm not yours. You can't tell me what to do. You're not going to tell me what's important. You're not going to tell me how to live my life. You're not going to tell me what I need to be getting into because I don't belong to you. Right. Forget the past. It's, it's gone. You ain't going that way, as Cody would say. Uh, you know, so we need to focus on God, focus on his goodness, put our joy in him. Right. And listen, guys, whatever you need in life, that's secondary. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Right. Seek God and all that will be added unto you. Right. It's easy to get focused on seeking the things we need, but we have to seek God. Right. And in and, and that is the blessing. And then he can do what he wants to for you in your life. So. I hope this has encouraged you. We need to flee to the city of refuge, which is Jesus. If we do this, we leave this uh, Babylon, right? And we leave everything behind. We take nothing with us. We're running for our lives with every ex exhorted effort. And whoever we have to leave behind, whatever we have to leave behind, we do it. Because no one here saves any of our souls, right? Salvation is only found in one name, that's in Jesus Christ, right? And so without Jesus, you have no hope of salvation. So run to him and he will redeem you, okay? So let's pray. Daniel. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we glorify your name. We thank you so much for this understanding that today is the day of salvation, that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We make our elections sure that we press on to the high calling. We throw off every single weight that easily besets us. We keep our mind focused on you and your goodness, and we run boldly to the throne of grace whenever we fail you. And then we give in to our sins and, and, and fall back, Father, that you're not here to beat your children up, that you're here to love us and to help us to become like you and your in your mercy and and you take joy in that father and you take great pride and happiness in redeeming your children so let us have that confidence that when we fail that you're not there to smack us around that you're there to lift us up and that that kind of judgment only comes for you if we remain in rebellion and if we stick our our necks out and and not repent and to come back to you father so we boldly run to you to the throne of grace we ask you to forgive us of our sins renew our spirit within us every day give us your holy spirit set us on the right path convict us of anything we need to hand over and we praise you and we thank you and we run to the city of refuge which is jesus christ our lord and savior in jesus name we pray amen amen amen, amen. amen. praise god yeah praise god if you feel so led of the lord and want to know how to donate to this ministry outreach please visit brotherlance.com and scroll down to the bottom of the main page for the paypal link thank you and may God's blessing rest upon you. BrotherLance.com